The NBA draft did not produce any Illini getting picked among the 58 selections, but Kofi Coburn does have a path to an NBA roster. We discuss the former Illini All-Americans' chances landing with the Utah Jazz. Take a look at the upcoming ACC Big Ten Challenge and also dive into some new numbers for the Illini recruits. All that and more coming up on Inside Illini Basketball. Hi, I'm Paul Rudy, CEO of Rudy Wealth Management and host of Paul Rudy's On The Money Radio Show. Every successful investor I've ever met continuously acted on a plan. Every failed investor I've ever met was constantly reacting to current events. If the recent market turmoil is keeping you up at night, maybe it's time you begin to make your investment and spending decisions based upon a retirement income plan. Perhaps it's time for you to listen to the little voice in your head telling you to call Rudy Wealth Management. You'll be happy you did. Rudy Wealth Management, Central Illinois Retirement Specialist, 356-1400. Inside Illini Basketball, back on the airwaves. Hello, Scott Ritchie. Hello, not Jim Russell. <laughs> it's a beautiful Monday morning. Uh, this is Matt Daniels, sports editor of the News Gazette. Jim Rosso is uh, on assignment. He's on, no, we, no, he is on vacation. Okay. The, All the right. thing he says I'm not allowed to ever take again. Well, you already took some this year, Scotty. And I will take more okay. soon. Fair enough. Uh, he is on vacation. I said I would mention that, that he was on vacation. Scott's... Uh, Scott's feeling a little saucy this morning since we just went over his uh, mock draft of the first round uh, last Thursday night, and he got seven of the 30 picks nailed correctly to the right teams and everything. So, Scott, how do you, how do you feel about that? I mean, that's I did the math. It's 23% of the picks correct in the first round. So it's not great, um, but I, as you mentioned, and I had had forgotten this because once I was done putting my mock draft together, basically forgot about it. But I got all four of the first round picks from the Big Ten correct. Mm-hmm. To the correct to team. To the correct team, even. Number four, Keegan Murray of Iowa to the Sacramento Kings. I'm sorry, Keegan. Number five, Jaden Ivey to the 2023 NBA champion Detroit Pistons. Yeah, maybe not quite that soon. Number 10, Johnny Davis to the Washington Wizards bench. Maybe. And number 20, Malachi Branham to the San Antonio Spurs G League affiliate. Uh, which is in Austin. Okay. Austin Spurs. Um, I don't know. I mean, the Spurs actually made all of their first-round picks, which was a little surprising because they had three of them. But we'll see what happens with Malachi Branham. The only Big Ten player I was that projected to the first round that I was wrong about was EJ Liddell. I had him going 18 to the Bulls, I think, just to I think make everyone happy. Mm-hmm. I think lots of people wanted to see that. Um, then he slipped all the way to number 41 to he's the New gonna, Orleans Pelicans. He's going to become the Io DeSumo of the 2022 NBA draft. The two t- former two-time News Gazette All-State player there from Belleville West who went on to a superb three-year career at Ohio State. Yeah, and it was a it's criminal that he dropped all the way to number 41. Um, I don't think there are 40 better players. Well, I don't think there. I don't know if there are fifty-eight better players than Kofi Coburn, Scott Ritchie, and the L, the former All-American center for the Illini. Did not hear his name called. I know it's not nineteen ninety-five. No one values the big man at all. But yeah, well, he, the, he was the best college player that was not picked last Thursday night. Yeah, I mean, there certainly weren't fifty-eight players better than him in college basketball. 
and then not all of those draft picks, of course, played college basketball. There are some G League Ignite players, some international players, but, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's not 1995 anymore, and that's been the, like, the story since he was in high school at Christ the King. It was like, two decades ago, this guy would have been maybe the number one overall pick because centers like Kofi Coburn were valued by the NBA at that time. Now, the league has changed. The thing that is valued the most is shooting from every single position, and then, you know, second to that, at least once playoffs start, is being able to defend. Shooting, shooting from a distance, because Kofi Coburn's really good at shooting two feet from the basket. Okay, I'm sure. Let him put that disclaimer out there. He, yes, he. What did he shoot? Like ninety nine percent on everything he attempted at Illinois. Uh, it I'm wasn't, exaggerating. Wasn't quite that high. Um, what, like fifty six percent. Because let's see, his sophomore year he was at he was over sixty, mm-hmm. and then slipped a little bit. He was just more usage. Apparently, the NBA year. doesn't value people that make buckets. Well, here's the thing with Kofi: he d- attempted zero three pointers, and I'm not saying you have to shoot threes as a yeah, center. You, the NBA is saying you have to, for, well, for the most part. But I think the the one thing that is how'd that work out for uh, Kevon Looney? How many how many threes did he shoot during the finals? He's not allowed. Okay, there's, he, there's other guys that can. But I think what held Kofi back the most was his defense. All right. And to play in the NBA, like, and we're talking like Rudy Gobert gets played off the court, you know. He's gonna get, and he's a three-time Defensive Player of the Year. We'll and talk about Rudy Gobert in a second. Yeah, in nice the playoffs, the Jazz couldn't always play him, which is kind of an issue. Kofi, as good as he is running the floor, like up and down the court, moves very well for his size. Laterally, does not move as well, and you know, Illinois had to play essentially drop coverage and ball screens with Kofi Coburn because there wasn't going to be a switch that happened that would have been favorable for the Illini. And there's time for Kofi Coburn to prove that he can defend a little better. Time for him to maybe not extend his range to a three-point line, but to the mid-range maybe because clogging the lane... And college basketball is fine because it, it worked for Kofi Coburn and worked for Illinois. They won a lot of games once they really started to run a lot of their offense through him. Clogging the lane in the NBA, that's a no-no. And you just think a reason, you mentioned you know, Jaden Ivey going to the Pistons, a reason he was considered you know, that high draft pick. And some people like think he might be one of maybe the best prospect in the league because once he gets the NBA where the lane doesn't feature 7-4 Zach Eady or 6-10 Trevion Williams, he can show off what Brad Underwood called, you know, his Jao Morant side and his ability to attack the basket is, you know, second to none maybe in the draft. All right, it's, so just, it's, a tough, it's a tough world to be in for a 7-foot, 293-pound center. 58 draft picks came and went Thursday night, late Thursday night. I didn't watch. The draft, Scott, and I had other pressing issues in my life, which I don't remember at this time, but how, how'd the draft go? You weren't a fan of the broadcast? Um, well, to start with, you know, Adrian Wojnarowski has been spoiling picks on Twitter mm-hmm. for years now. Um, 
did it on live TV a few times because he was part of ESPN's mm-hmm. you know draft coverage. I don't know if that's like the best thing. I didn't appreciate it. Um, and then also Kendrick Perkins, it's a big personality. Mm-hmm. I understand why you'd want him on television. Not sure like his comps were, and like that's I mean that's not just Kendrick Perkins. I remember Jalen Rose, you know, being on the part of the draft coverage and you know laying out some just real head scratchers when it you know came to player comps, and that's a tough thing to do anyway. But I'm sure Orlando Magic fans were thrilled when half of Kendrick Perkins' comp for Paolo Banquero was Ben Simmons. It's like, it's afraid to shoot. I think Paolo Banquero looks a lot like him. And that's, <laughs> that's overstating things a little bit. But it wasn't – I wouldn't have been thrilled if I was a Magic fan. It's just – it wasn't a great broadcast. And, like, my other option would have been – ABC, I guess, with Stephen A. Smith, and that wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, former U of I grad Taylor Rook, she was holding it down on NBA TV. Maybe I should have switched to NBA TV. She sat in this DWS studios before and shared her expertise on these airwaves. I miss when the draft. I don't know if it was on TNT, but like Charles Barkley was involved. Okay, and at least he's going to make me laugh. But anyway, fifty-eight picks came and went. Uh, Late Thursday night. What time to get over? I don't know. It was pretty late. The, the draft, the NBA draft, and I of the four major sports, the NBA draft, in my opinion, by far the best one. It's a you know two rounds. You know, you've heard of most of these players. It's cut and dry. It's not a long, th- drawn out three day event like the NFL draft is. The MLB draft still has a ways to go to catch up to this, but it seems the NBA draft just keeps getting longer and longer every year. Yeah, I don't know that they need as much time mm-hmm. per pick. Yeah. And you know, the fact that like Orlando got five minutes was like, you've had <laughs> like a month. At least, yeah. Mm-hmm. Since the, the lottery to mm-hmm. make your choice. And like it was never, it, this wasn't, oh, they changed their mind. They were going to draft Jabari Smith. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, on second thought. Like it was Paolo Bancaro. I mean, they hit it incredibly well, but it was Paolo from the jump. Yeah. Uh, you don't need five minutes. Just make the pick. So the draft comes and ends late Thursday night, early Friday morning. That's when all you start seeing all the contracts being signed with guys that weren't drafted. And one of those guys that wasn't drafted was Kofi Coburn. But lo and behold, early Friday morning hits, and we're talking overnight. Uh, I was asleep. When it's still morning. dark out. Uh, he signs an Exhibit 10 contract with the Utah Jazz. Two-part question, Scott. What is an Exhibit 10 contract, and will he find a home on the Utah Jazz roster next season? Also, before we get to those two questions, fitting that it was the Jazz, because, I mean, Darren Williams, D. Brown, Roger Powell, at some point or another, all part of the Jazz organization. Um, An Exhibit 10 contract is a one-year, non-guaranteed minimum salary contract that counts towards a team's Roster limit for the off season, which is twenty players. What's the what's the minimum salary? The well, it's going to go up for next season. It hasn't been locked in, but the projection is rookie minimum will be just more than one million dollars. So it was what our minimum salary was when we started in our respective newspapers right out of college, right, Scott? Yep, absolutely. Okay, it's probably at least the non guaranteed part. That's that's pretty familiar. <laughs> um, 
So, Kofi's contract with the Jazz has a high ceiling in terms of a rookie deal, but a very low floor. And by low floor, I mean he could be cut at any moment and they would owe him exactly nothing. Mm -hmm. And now, we'll just use the most recent example of this. That you know, applies to a former Illini. Georgie Pashanashvili signed an Exhibit 10 contract with the Denver Nuggets. Mm-hmm. And that got him through Summer League, into training camp. And then he was cut because he didn't make the Nuggets NBA roster. And did wind up on their G League team, uh, Grand Rapids Gold. Why is but the, that million, why, why that is, million dollars, it's gone. Why is Denver's G League team in Grand Rapids, Michigan, Scott? That's a good question. Now, the G the NBA has started to at least, you know, put you know, G League affiliates closer to their their NBA team. Um, not all. And not every NBA team yet, you know, has its own G League affiliate. So I don't know why it's in Grand Rapids. Okay. Um, but Georgie got cut, signed with the G League. million dollars was off the table at that point because that was a non-guaranteed contract. He, I would assume, made the made the G League minimum, maybe more, because the Nuggets at least had him in summer league and camp, but the G League minimum is $37,000 last year. So Kofi has a chance at a million dollars as a rookie if he makes the Utah Jazz roster. Okay. Otherwise, it's totally up in the air. I mean, he could play in the G League, um, and the Jazz's G League team is actually in Salt Lake City. Okay, makes sense. Levante Rice played for them this last year. Well, half of this last season he signed in January. Um, or maybe not thrilled by that and he goes overseas and makes arguably more money. But the door is at least open for him to maybe make the Utah Jazz roster. All of it is sort of Rudy Gobert dependent. Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem like he is long for the Jazz. He's erased every mention of them from his social media. It's kind of the first sign. I guess the first sign of him not being happy was when he said he wasn't happy. But uh, it seems like he will be traded at some point this offseason. Um, and then their backup center last year, Hassan Whiteside, is no longer under contract. Um, and then they also have uh, your favorite Kansas Jayhawk, Udoka Azubuke. But he's played bounce between G League and the Jazz and then was uh, had season-ending uh, surgery in March. So without breaking down every single roster of all 30 NBA rosters on paper, couldn't have landed at a better spot. Fair enough. Okay. So that's you're, it, so you're saying there's a chance. Uh, yeah, I'm saying there's a chance. It's all on Kofi at this point. Like he's mm-hmm. going to have to show in summer league that he can do some of these things that most NBA organizations don't think he can do. Cuz like they know wh- who he is as a player. I mean, he's Physically dominant. I just cut, I mean, 8% body fat. You know, the Adam Fletcher mm-hmm. process there. Um, rebounds well. You know, is a good finisher in the paint. What he doesn't do well, though, is what's held him back as, as far as getting drafted. It's being able to shoot from outside of five mm-hmm. feet. It's being able to, you know, defend on the ball. Mm-hmm. It's being more confident, secure when the ball's in his hands. Uh, because there were times 
even last year where it'd be an entry pass or you just get the ball and it, there's some hesitancy there and teams mm-hmm. take advantage of that and they strip it from him. Uh, he has to show that he's a more willing passer. Now, he did do better last season uh, compared to his sophomore year when he had five total assists, but his assist-to-turnover ratio is still skewed way too far the, the wrong direction. So that's what Summer League is for. It'll start, actually the Jazz, have, like they have like the precursor to Summer League. It's mm-hmm. not like not every team goes to Salt Lake City, but they'll host, I think, like eight teams for like a couple days, and then all 30 teams wind up in Las Vegas for the actual Summer League, and that starts um, at the beginning of the first week of July. Kind of runs, I think, runs through the Vegas runs through the seventeenth, I think, of July. So he's got a f- two plus weeks to really sort of make a statement. So with no Illini drafted in this year's draft, that still means only two in the last decade uh, for Illinois. I would assume last year in the second round of the Bulls, and then Myers Leonard first round pick in in twenty twelve. But as we've kind of mapped out a path for Kofi Coburn to actually land on an NBA roster spot and be a contributor in the NBA next season. He could also look to recent examples like guys like Malcolm Hill, uh, Brandon Paul, two guys that went undrafted, both played in summer leagues, both then went overseas to start their pro career, but both eventually at some point ended up landing a spot on NBA and getting some run with NBA teams. Malcolm last year with the Atlanta Hawks, and then the Chicago Bulls, and Brandon Paul previously with the San Antonio Spurs. So there is, and that seems to be coming kind of a trend too. It's not just a death knell if you weren't drafted on draft night that you are you have to go overseas. There are pathways to, you have to go overseas and stay overseas and play the rest of your career, professional career overseas. There are ways to catch attentions of NBA personnel. Yeah, and the G League is a legitimate route. And it used to have a real negative connotation. It was like that's where basketball careers went to die. Like mm-hmm. there was no path to the NBA from the what was then the, the D League. Um, which I think solid rebranding. Yeah. D League is like <laughs> that's your grade. You're a D. That's a basketball <laughs> player. I mean, it's stands for development. Yeah. Um, so they still do that, but they have since – you know, taking on corporate sponsorship and have a better name. Um, I think there were 117 players that got called up from the G League to the NBA last year, last season. Uh, part of that was mm-hmm. COVID, and that's how Malcolm Hill got his opportunity um, in both places. Mm-hmm. Um, but at, he played in the NBA. Like mm-hmm. There's no longer a foot in the door. All of Malcolm Hill is in the door the NBA and the Bulls liked what he did enough they kept him on you know their G League roster at the end of that year once not I mean their entire roster didn't get healthy but once enough got healthy Um, so I don't know if that was uh, I don't think that's Kofi's dream is it's no one's dream toil in the G League but if that's where he has to start he can see Example after example of like, put in the work, show what you can do. Mm-hmm. There's a a chance. One well, and two, and this isn't a huge 
talking point necessarily and I want to move on to some other topics because we've kind of covered th- this uh, in, in depth but Kofi Coburn and other college players as well this is the first time that they're going to start their pro career where they actually have probably some money in their checking account unlike in the past I know they had obviously full scholarships and didn't have you know student loan debt and all that fun stuff but he made a significant chunk of money through NIL. Those are the figures. We don't have those exact numbers, but um, he was able to earn money off of his name, image, likeness that these guys in the past, you know, Malcolm Hill, Brandon Paul, others did not have that opportunity once their college careers ended. No, and you hope that the, you know, they've had good financial advisors and you know, just didn't you know, rip through all the NIL money. Cause it's, it's be tough. I mean, I think back when I was in college and like, I would have had ex- disposable income. Kager at Richie's. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would have bought a lot of stupid stuff <laughs> that I wanted because I could afford it. Fair enough. Um, so yeah, hopefully they've got good people in their, their corner that, and I, I have a feeling, you know, the first time that my parents might have seen all of this new stuff in my apartment, <laughs> they're like, let's have a talk about financial responsibility. Exactly. And That's I, true. I've never been too crazy, but mm-hmm. if I would have had Kofi money in college, yeah, maybe it would have been. <laughs> uh, so it's, we'll see. I, it's a whole different landscape, though. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see what that means. We'll, we'll see what Summer League brings. But uh, there's a path to the NBA for Kofi Coburn. And, I mean, that's what he wanted. Like, he could have come back to Illinois and made more money, likely, than he would, you know, than he will as a first-year pro. But he was ready to be done with college basketball. Don't blame him. Not Nothing left to prove. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the next level, likely won't be fouled every time he touches the ball. So, you know, best of luck to him, and we'll see what happens. All right, Scott, it's late June. The Illinois men's basketball season starts, what, second week of November? Um, first, I mean, not... First uh, game. First game could be, like, around the 7th or 8th. Still don't have a schedule. College basketball needs to fix this dilemma. Just well, they like to release it piecemeal throughout the summer. Yeah. That's uh, just, just give me the whole thing. Exactly. You know what's... People have plans. They want to plan some stuff. Yeah. And... Now I get maybe you know a buy game or two. Still trying to hammer out contract details, but if we can schedule, I mean, college, it's almost it's almost July. We can schedule college football games fifteen years in advance. You can get me a college basketball schedule sooner than four and a half months before the season yeah, starts. Also, should we be scheduling football games into the twenty thirties? I don't know. That's a whole other podcast. But we did find out one scheduling in piece of information this past Friday. With the release of the Big Ten ACC Challenge. You're 24 of this, by the way. That is... Seems crazy. That is bonkers. When, like, I guess I knew that just sort of theoretically, mm-hmm. but like when I like read, like, 24th annual, I was like, how about that? <coughs> I was in middle school when this started, and I don't really <laughs> remember that. And Illinois gets to play an opponent that it has not played before in the Big Ten ACC Challenge, which is... Pretty cool. Syracuse coming to Champaign November 29th, Tuesday night. Don't know the time yet. Probably, I'd imagine, a 6 o'clock start, you'd think, for the East Coast fans. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if people in Syracuse want to stay up past 9 to watch the opening tip, but maybe. 
Uh, second straight year is going to be in Champaign at State Farm Center. Uh, big headliner for Syracuse, obviously Jim Beheim. They're uh, decorated, cranky at times. Coach, I think we can just eliminate at times. <laughs> I, I think Jim Beheim entering his forty seventh year as coach is just cranky. All right, we'll let Bob have the first question to Coach Beheim and the post game presser to see what that reaction. Bob Osmus and our our veteran columnist as well. Not cranky, though. Um, 47th season for Beheim, by the way, coming up this year. Um, your thoughts on the Illini drawing the orange? Hopefully there's no scheduling snafu where both teams are wearing orange. That would be bad for television viewers and everyone else in the building at State Farm Center. But uh, be say, chaotic. I'm, yeah. I'm, I might be for it, just we, both in orange. We had you rank uh, all 14 matchups that ran in Saturday's paper, and you slotted Illinois-Syracuse at, at number three. So seems to be kind of a, a pretty intriguing non-conference matchup coming to Champaign. Well, two sides of the same coin here. It is an intriguing matchup because Illinois and Syracuse have only ever played three times previously. None on a all-neutral site games, yeah. too. And obviously, like, the most well-known game was the Elite Eight in mm-hmm. 1989. Um, big win for the final line. Lots of future pros. We're talking pros. Lots of future pros on both teams for that one. Um, so, yeah, it's a I think it's a new opponent for Illinois. I think that's that's nice. Um, also, the rest of the Big Ten ACC, ACC challenge kind of stinks. All right. Like, the matchups are not interesting. I mean, Indiana North Carolina mm-hmm. is, I mean, number one, and for obvious reasons. Ohio State, I had Ohio State, Duke, number two. I mean, it's a rematch of last year. So and you're not fired up for Boston College, Nebraska. I am not fired up for Boston College, Nebraska. Who would be fired up? I mean, maybe the game's going to be at Nebraska, so, I mean, you don't just walk into Pinnacle Bank Arena. <laughs> I've heard that somewhere. Um, so, I mean, the Nebraska fans show up. I don't know why. I'd stop. <laughs> like They just haven't had anything to cheer for. They're just counting down till spring football. Yeah. Um, but, like, Penn State, Clemson, like, does that move the needle? No. I can't believe Brad Burnell's been at Clemson for 13 Yeah, I looked that up. I was like, I remember like two different times. It was like, you were almost fired, mm-hmm. but somehow you're still here. Pittsburgh Northwestern, I mean, that's... The battle of the Krzyzewski assistants. Yeah, who lost any chance they had of replacing Coach K because they've stunk right. at both places. Like that, Georgia Tech at Iowa. Eh. Wake Forest, Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> Minnesota, Virginia Tech, like that's got. I mean, I'm eh. interested in that. <laughs> like, I think Minnesota will be better than they were last year. I'm probably higher on them. Like Rutgers, Miami, it's could a be East, two tournament that's a teams. Old Big East game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, yeah, there's some interest there. The big, old Big East rivalry. Like Maryland, Louisville's got some interest. Except, I mean, Maryland and two Louisville. new coaches. Yeah, and they were not good teams last year. Purdue, Florida State, they've played like five times in the last six years. Like that's not interesting anymore. Virginia, Michigan. Could so, be okay, good. so what is what does the Big Ten ACC challenge need to do to bring back some of that that firepower that it that it once had? I mean, it's been happening for twenty four years or twenty three. I don't. I mean, maybe not do it anymore. Whoa! Wow. Or maybe just do like not because there's what there's fifteen teams in the ACC. Yeah. So one team, which I can't recall off the top of North my head, North Carolina State gets left out this year. Oh, got something against the Wolf Pack. <laughs> Yeah, I mean they already have a 
little brother syndrome going maybe you on. do uh maybe you do one year you do seven games maybe you do it like the gavit games like the big 10 big yeah. east where you alternate years but again though the coaches aren't gonna want to they want to i guarantee you brad Underwood's is not going to say don't give me an acc opponent they want to have that marquee non-conference opponent to yeah, put in front a, of the resume booster especially if they win if they lose then and I mean, even if they lose, it's not going to hurt you as much as if you even beat like a some mid major. All right, there's my there's my alternative. There's Here's my the proposal. thing though, like the the SEC and the Big Twelve mm-hmm. have had a challenge for not nearly as long. They played in February, mm-hmm. and it's better. Okay, so maybe move it on the calendar. I don't know if that's the problem. Don't I think do, don't do it in late November when folks' attention are still kind of focused in on on football and not really into into basketball yet although that doesn't hold true for i mean here i just think the big 10 acc and i go big 10 acc because i live in big 10 country i think i don't know i don't really know if it's acc big 10 sorry um but i go big 10 acc Uh, it's just gotten stale all right a little bit i mean there are some intriguing matchups i just think there's enough and i mean maybe you sacrifice the uninteresting teams and like they have to play each other, but like pit your best teams against each other every year and just rotate through it. All right, uh, one final piece of business to take care of uh, on this podcast. They handed out numbers last week, Scotty, to seven newcomers on the Illini roster next season. Terrence Shannon Jr. is going to be wearing number zero. Sincere Harris, number one. Jaden Epps, number three. Paxton Warden, walk-on from Glenbard West, 22. Matthew Ma- Matthew Meyer, Baylor transfer, 24. Dane Danger, been on the team a while. Apparently didn't have a number. Well, he was, didn't play last year, okay. so he didn't, didn't have a jersey. Number 42, and then Sky Clark, 55. Your thoughts? I like Sky Clark, a point guard, wearing... 55. It's different. He is only the second Illini to wear 55. Can you name the first? I can. And I won't say that I knew this off the top of my head, but it's Sean Pruitt, and I saw it on Twitter. Okay. Because someone else put out that query, and none other than Marcus Jackson had the answer. 42 has been worn by prominent Illini like Tyler Griffey, Brian Randall. Uh, Those are all that are coming to mind right now. Number zero. Brandon Pajimski wore it last season. Alan Griffin, DJ Williams, Sam McLaurin, Sam Maniscalco. All, that's the entire list of number zeros all in the last decade. Well, zero, like, I think just came into the conversation like at that point. I don't know. Has it always been? Well, they had double zero back in the late 90s, early 2000s with Brett Melton and Victor Tukadebe. Yeah. Number one, Trent Frazier obviously wore that the last five seasons. Sincere Harris takes that over. Fellow lefty. Yeah, I just he is. I just at this point just assume that everyone that plays for Brad Underwood is left-handed. <laughs> Jacob Grandison wore number three last year. Chester Frazier had that number. Brandon Paul, uh, twenty-four. Mark Allstork wore it last in twenty eighteen. Would <laughs> not have guessed that. Ravante Rice. So apparently it's the transfer number. So far, yes. Uh, Sean Harrington, Mike Davis, Richard Keene, also Irvin Small from the Final Illini. Uh, what, 22, Paxton Warden, Austin Hutcherson wore it. Briefly. Maverick Morgan, Jeremy Richmond, Lucas Johnson, Kiwan Garris, Doug Altenberger. It's a very popular number. Uh, then 42, or wait, I skipped numbers. No, I did number three. There's a lot of newcomers. 
Yeah, we covered just, them all. Uh, just get used to that. Yeah, being there we go. The case every season. A lot all of newcomers. Right. Anything we need to wrap up here in 30 seconds, Scotty? Uh, some brief recruiting news. I've got the countdown going, so you got to be quick. Ed's spinning his hand, telling us to hurry it up. You know, I think our listeners would appreciate any and all <laughs> basketball coverage. Um, but three new offers, class of 2024. Um, one, the highest ranked one, or the only ranked recruit, uh, Dwayne Pierce, 6'5", guard from Christ the King. New York, alma mater. Well, not, I guess, technically, because he left before he graduated. Kofi Coburn played there mm-hmm. for three years. Um, and then uh, Jaden Juke Harris, 6'6 guard out of Salisbury, North Carolina. Big-time scorer as a so- uh, yeah, as a sophomore uh, for a 20-win Salisbury team. And then the most interesting, just because of his background, um, will be a teammate with Dwayne Pierce. Uh, Chin, I hope I've got this right. Chin Pang, uh, he is Tins Christ the King. Um, started his career at St. Benedict's in New Jersey, but he is originally from uh, Shenzhen in China. And I can't think of any Chinese basketball players that have played college basketball, at least recently. Um, it's kind of interesting there. Illinois has got a unique recruiting approach simply because there are. Nearly 5,000 Chinese students on the Illinois campus. All right, that was 40 seconds longer than you were supposed to go, Scotty. So we we really have to wrap it up now. I will not be reined in. All right, thanks for listening, everyone, to this week's episode of Inside the Line of Basketball. Jim Rosso will be back here next week to grill Scott Ritchie on more topics pertaining to Brad Underwood's program. Until then, have a good week, everyone.